You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. We're authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin, and we're here to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Tune in each week to real life conversations with the experts about real issues Christian parents face today. If you're ready to learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 55 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and helping you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. As you know, we always end our shows by asking our guests to share at least one scripture they pray in their own homes that is specific to the topic we're discussing. This, guys, is one of our favorite features of the podcast because the verses our guests come up with are so good and so personal to their unique journeys, and they teach us new ways we can pray for our own families. Many times our guests have come up with verses that Aaron and I would not have thought of, so we have really loved that feature. With each new episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast, you'll be able to visit our show notes and find instructions for downloading five scripture inspired verses and prayers you can pray for your family right away. Just visit millionprayingmoms.com to grab today's prayers. And can we ask for a little help from our friends? If you're enjoying our podcast, would you do two things for us? One, please share it with your friends. This episode and our last episode are so timely and important for many moms, and we would love your help in spreading the hope and encouragement. Two, leave us a rating and review in your podcast app. That really helps get Million Praying Moms to more listeners, and we would be so grateful for the feedback. Okay, on with the show. So today, we're just going to go there. We're just going to like dive in and not skirt around the issue and talk about a COVID Christmas. Like it or not, that's the Christmas that we're all getting this year. We're all getting a a COVID Christmas, and it isn't the Christmas that we asked for. It certainly isn't the Christmas we all want, right? Like none of us wants to have limitations on how many people we can gather with and which loved ones are safe and which ones maybe are not, if any are. We're really grateful in our tiny little town here. My parents live right up the street, and they have been very active in our lives through all of this. So we're exposed to each other on a regular basis. So there's no reason that we can think of not to have my parents over for Christmas, unless of course someone is sick and then that would change everything. But, but this is the reality that we're all dealing with. And some of us are dealing with it more deeply than others. Yeah. I have to confess, I have been thinking of the upcoming change to 2021 with a certain amount of longing. <laughs> I, I mean, have to. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I mean, and I think at least on a subconscious level, all of us have, we've been trained to think of that turning of the new year as a fresh start or a new beginning. And, you know, God's mercies are new every morning and we treat a new year that same way. But, you know, reality is closing in and COVID will probably not magically disappear on January 1st. As much as my kids all hoped that that would happen on Friday the 13th, because it started for us on a Friday the 13th, they're like, when was it in October or November? 
the next Friday the 13th came around, they're like, this all started on a Friday the 13th. And so now it's going to end on a Friday the 13th. Yeah, we get think, in that mindset though with January 1st, don't we? We think I, yes. magic. Yes, absolutely. And that doesn't mean that we all can't keep praying that it magically That's disappears right. because God can do that. But, you know, as, as unless he does something now, the reality is that while 2021 will bring a new year and with it, many new opportunities and, and many opportunities to plan things and, and try and set goals and things like that, the reality is that we'll probably be doing it with COVID. So today on our show, we wanted to explore the realities of a COVID Christmas, helping you learn how to find joy despite any difficulties that might come because of it. But more than that, we also wanted to spend some time exploring how we can make that joy last into 2021 because COVID is probably not going away as much as we might want it to. Yeah, yeah. So before we dive in today, we want to make sure you know about <clears throat> our newest prayer resource, Everyday Prayers for Joy. How, how timely is that? Yes. Man, we just, you know, <laughs> written by our guest, Gina Smith. We are so excited about this one. Here it is. Here is the beautiful yellow cover that Erin designed for us. We wanted to intentionally release this one around Christmas, but we also wanted it to have a look and a feel of something that you could use well beyond Christmas as well. So uh, we're really excited about this particular journal. A few months ago, we did a a survey of our current circle members. Those are people who get the digital copy of each new Everyday Prayers prayer journal for free. And we asked them, like, how's it going? These are people that have been using it for a while, several months now, and, and we wanted some feedback. We wanted to know what they liked, what they didn't like, what they wanted to keep, maybe what they wanted to fix. And one of the things that we, one of the pieces of feedback that we got over and over again was that they really missed the think, pray, praise format of daily prayer that we had used in our Pray the Word journals. And as much as we might like our Pray the Word journals to come back, they are not coming back right now. And so we, um, we thought to ourselves, you know what? We really miss the think, pray, praise format as well. That is something that, you know, even though we had originally designed a different format inside of our everyday prayers journals, I was still doing it like confession time. I was still doing think, pray, praise anyways, because it's just how I've trained myself to think. And it really works. Think about the scripture, really try to understand what you're praying, put it in context so that you're not unintentionally pulling things out of, of what God meant for them to be inside of his word. That's something that Aaron and I are really passionate about. Um, then pray it back to him and then spend some time capping your time of prayer with thanksgiving and, and praise for what the Lord has done right. So many times it's easy for us to focus on what all is going wrong in our lives we have to sometimes get more intentional and, and really try to find all the things that are going right. So it's, we've always found it very important to do that. And so we're really excited to, that we've been able to go back to the Think, Pray, Praise format inside of the journals. One of the other things that you mentioned to us or that our circle members mentioned to us is that they, they liked the reflection questions that we had in the journal, but they kind of didn't like them on the daily pages. So we moved all of the reflection questions to the back of the journal. There are over, let's see, like I think there's about 40 
between 40 and 45 reflection questions, which is perfect if you're using everyday prayers for joy inside of a, like a small group. If you're doing Zoom meetings or however you might be meeting with your small group right now, it's really good if you're the leader specifically to have these reflections. And then we also have in the book a hundred extra verses on joy. So for those of you like Aaron who really like to dig in and really understand the scripture and like do a deep search into the scriptures as you're doing this stuff. Um, this is designed for you to be able to do a deep dive into the subject of joy. So we're really excited about the changes that we've made to the journal and, and, uh, and, you know, to the topic of joy, we, we just really felt like it was an important topic to cover because it's probably one of the most misunderstood words in the Christian vocabulary. Joy, from a biblical perspective, which is what we're going to talk about some today, is not an emotion that comes and goes. That is happiness. But joy is based on something completely different, and it has nothing to do with our circumstances. Joy is the birthright of the believer. It is ours. It is a gift of God, whether we feel like it or not, and nothing that happens or doesn't happen in the world can change that because it's based on what Christ did for us on the cross. This concept of joy is fixed. It's done. It's ours. So Everyday Prayers for Joy, which is by our guest today, Gina Smith, will guide you toward the meaning of real lasting joy that can't be stolen, minimized, or taken away as you pray God's word back to him for yourself and for your children. Yeah. So I love this topic so much. I love the idea of talking about joy, partially because I'm a naturally joyful person, but when things go wrong, it can seem to be zapped from me. And that's where we get into the emotion versus the birthright or the, the fixed thing in my life. And so it's been a really important thing for me to focus on this year. So I can't wait to talk about it and, and go through the prayer journal along with everybody. If you guys don't know, Brooke and I are usually doing this right along with you because we pick topics that are things that we want to study or need to study as well or need to be praying. So it's not like we are sharing this, any of us, Gina, Brooke, or I, from a we've got this figured out <laughs> place. Like, no. Certainly not. Our whole ministry was birthed out of a need that we needed in our lives. And so that's where these studies come from as well is like, I need help focusing on the joy of the Lord right now. Boom. This is what this is what we came up with. But before you run right over and grab your copy from the Christian Mom Shop, we do first want to tell you how to get your digital copy for free. I use a digital copy all the time now. I have it downloaded onto my Kindle, and I use a blank notebook then to write everything in. So if you're thinking, how would that work? That's how I do it. And it's been a pretty seamless transition for me. I love having my notebook that has all of my prayers as we go through it. If you want to get a digital copy for free, our Million Praying Moms <laughs> Circle membership is just $8 a month and gives you digital access to the current prayer journal, which this month includes Everyday Prayers for Joy as part of that membership. Now, if you are more of a paperback journal kind of person, like Brooke, Yay. <laughs> all Circle members get 20% off the paperback journals. So, for just $8 a month, you get the digital prayer journal and the ability to save 20% on the paperback copy. 
So before you head over to get your copy in our Christian mom shop, just visit millionprayingmoms.com forward slash the circle to check out all the benefits and see if that's right for you and get signed up because it's really a great deal. Yes, it absolutely is. All right. So let's get on with our topic and meet our guests for today. Actually, I say meet our guests for today, and she's kind of a regular on the show. So many of you will already know her, whether you've watched her before on a live or on one of our podcasts, or whether you read her Mentoring Mondays on the Million Praying Moms blog. Gina Smith is a writer who has been married for 32 years to Brian a college professor and athletic trainer. And for 20 plus years, Gina and Brian served on a Christian college campus as the on-campus parents where her husband was a professor and a dean of students. They have lived in the campus or on the campus where they raised both of their now married children, which is really a cool story. Gina recently authored her first book, which is called Grace Gifts, Practical Ways to Help Your Children Understand God's Grace. She's also the author of Everyday Prayer for joy. And we're so excited to have her with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Gina. Tell us a little bit about you and your family in case I didn't cover it all in the intro. Okay. Well, you kind of covered it all (laughs) (laughs) for for the most part. Yeah. We, um, both of my kids are now out of the house and married. Uh, Brian and I have been married for 32 years, just working hard to you know, live a life of ministry, just living the ministry life, you know, fulfilling God's calling for us, whether that's in a, an official ministry capacity or just opening our front door. So, um, yeah, I'm, and I'm just really grateful to be able to be a part of Million Praying Moms and do whatever y'all let me do. (laughs) Well, we, we are grateful that you are a part of this because we have just gleaned so much wisdom from you. And it's always, I've always been told and found that it's very true in my life that wherever you are in life, it's always good to have someone that's ahead of you Mm -hmm. and someone that's walking alongside you and someone that's a little bit behind you, whether it's parenthood or faith or marriage, because it kind of gives you, like you said, that ministry opportunity, but also a chance to be ministered to. And so I've always been really passionate about who are those people that are speaking into it that are ahead of me, because I can find someone, you know, at church that's my same age and has the same kids or at my kid's school or even somebody a little behind me with their babies or anything like that. Um, I'm always thankful when someone in your position that has their kids married and um, out of the house wants to keep ministering to moms that are are in the thick of it and are going through that. So we are very, very grateful to have Gina here writing and speaking into our lives. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show today, Gina, is because we want to get really real about what a joyful Christmas in 2020 is going to look like. Because it's really silly to ignore the fact that it's going to be, and it already is, very different than normal. How are things already different for you and your family as you're getting ready for Christmas this year? Yeah, it really is just a weird time, isn't it? Uh, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I noticed like people were putting up their trees before Thanksgiving. You know, I feel oh. like people, ju- yeah. <laughs> Guilty. I, I have a hard and fast rule. It is never up before the end of Thanksgiving. And it was like, you know what? Let's just do it. <laughs> 
Yeah. I feel like people needed it. You know, like we just needed something. I, and I, yeah, I have a crazy cat, so I can't really have a big tree because he, you know, you know what cats do to trees, but I have this little thing on my, on a table and with lights and stuff. And I put that up before Thanksgiving and I never do that. So yeah, it just adds a little something. Uh, but yeah, things really are different this year. I think probably for all of us, you know, like not being able to get together in large groups for so like that does away with any parties, you know, that you might have wanted to go to company parties, family parties or whatever, um, Christmas church service, that won't be happening, at least for us. Um, you know, we're not able to go visit my parents because of COVID, they're in their 80s. And I think the biggest change for us, which is not necessarily COVID related, but just life season related, is that um, both of our kids will be at their in-laws. So we won't have any kids with us on Christmas Day, which is a first in say, 30 years. So that's, uh, that's a big change. I remember those early years of being married and trying to make those decisions about where to be and when and, and all of that stuff. I was just thinking, I, I actually had a physical therapy appointment this morning and was talking with my physical therapist. She said, what are your plans for this year? And I was like, well, we're going to have one this weekend via Zoom and we've all dropped off each other's presents at their houses and we're going to meet on Zoom to do it then. And then we're going to meet halfway to exchange presents with another side and do that around Christmas time. And she said, you know what? It's kind of nice that it doesn't all have to happen within a couple days this year. Like she said, I know it's not fun, but... I kind of like that we're not like everybody has to see each other in person within this amount of time for it to be a Christmas. And I thought that's a really good way of putting it. It does. It feels more stressful this year because of what's going on, but the holidays strangely feel a little less pressured and stressful as far as how are we all going to see each other? Yeah. And I'm going to take the joy that I can find in that, that we're making it work however we can, but also getting more time to just soak in the season at home and, and all of that. Because honestly, we've struggled in the past to do daily Advent readings as a family. And this year, it is. Every night, everybody's meeting around the candles and all that because our lives have slowed down a lot. It, mm. I mean, I'm thankful for that, even though I miss this activity and that activity for the kids, it's actually been really nice to sit down and have those conversations, even though I know what we could be doing instead. Yeah, it does feel more relaxing. In some ways, it does feel definitely more low-key and relaxing. Yeah, I feel the same way. I love that. He also too. said, you know what? It'd be kind of nice if we all just got snowed in and we just really <laughs> actually couldn't go anywhere and that would just decide everything for anybody. <laughs> Do you know, we had here in Southwestern Virginia, we had a little dusting of snow. It's happened twice now in the month of December. Actually, the first one happened on December 1st, I believe. And I remember it was just a dusting, you know, it didn't stop anything. Everything went on. Everything that is going on went on in that time frame. Um, and by like noon, it was gone anyways. But just waking up to snow, I remember thinking to myself, if I could just wake up to just a few dustings, just like this, 
in the month of December, it would go a long way toward how I feel about 2020. Because <laughs> we don't normally get snow here in December. It's usually after the first of the year when we get our snow in this part of the country. And, um, and we occasionally we do, but most of the time it's, it's after. So I was super happy about that and felt like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit Christmassy if there's a little bit of snow. And I know that there's, you know, we got a lot of people who listen to this who are from Texas and like, y'all never get any snow. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you never get snow, but I really enjoyed it. So um, Gina, you have a pretty profound story, which you tell, you share a little bit with us about it in, um, in Everyday Prayers for Joy um, about learning to seek a more biblical definition of joy in your own life in a very practical way. So we would really love for you to share this joy story with us. And I will tell you, one of the things that I really love is having someone on the podcast who can talk about something because they have lived it. This is, you know, as we were praying um, before the three of us, before we went live, one of the things that struck me was that this, this joy that you're going to talk to us about has been hard earned in your life. You, you worked, you wrestled with God for this joy that you have and that you've been able to find. And so we'd love for you to give us a little bit of, of the background and story about that. And along the way, give us a true definition of what joy actually is. Okay, sure. Well, I will correct you a little bit just by saying that I am continuing to wrestle with. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Something I think that we will all continue to grow in and have to choose until we die, really. But yeah, I feel like, although I'm sure there were little things happening in my life before this, that the Lord was moving me towards a more biblical uh, definition and experience of joy. I feel like this was a significant beginning to some real deeper lessons about 11 or so years ago. I suddenly found myself struggling with anxiety and depression and I had never struggled with that before. And I didn't, in fact, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I, uh, I thought, well, I'm, see, I'm 57. So that was like 46. So I'm thinking, oh, menopause, <laughs> you know? So I just thought, I'll go get my blood tested. They'll say, oh, you're in menopause. Give me a pill or a patch or something and I'll be fine. And the doctor looked at me and said, you're fine. There's nothing here that says that you are there. It looks like you are, you know, experiencing um, anxiety and depression. And I was floored because that was not a part of my, really my personality. And, um, and I kind of had, bought into the lie. I think it's a lie that Christians don't go there, you know, like with anxiety and stuff like I, I, because I'd never experienced it. So that kind of was the beginning for me of the last several years of different things that have gone on. But I, but the word that God gave me when that began was the word joy. And, and I started this kind of like this journey of finding out what that really means, you know, it's choose joy or, or whatever. And I, I feel like God broke it down for me that it was, and I had this word all over my house. If you have, I have a sign on the outside of my front door. I have little, the pillow that says joy and the, you know, <laughs> um, it, as a reminder, but anyway, so I, it was very significant for me to be able to write this little journal too, because it's been such a, an important word in my life. 
every year, you know, you choose a word, every year my word is joy. So, but not long after all of that happened, the ministry, uh, the job we, that my husband and I, that my husband had at Christian college, um, some things that happened in a leadership level and the school closed like overnight. And so what had been our life 24 seven closed down. So, and we live on this college campus. And so, like I said, literally overnight, we went from this, this campus full of life and ministry and relationships to nothing. And we lived alone on this college campus with a, there's some apartments. So there's some people lived in the apartments, but it just was unbelievably difficult. And it's kind of like, I've, if you know somebody that you love dies and you have to sit by their open casket for months and months and months, and months you know, it's just like, because the Lord also didn't provide a job. So we were thankfully that the new owners of the campus offered my husband a job working for them. So we were able to stay where we are now, but, but it was just like agony. <laughs> I know that sounds dramatic, but it was so hard to walk this campus that we'd been on literally for 25 years that had so many memories, raised our kids, so much ministry. And, you know, it was just our, our sense of purpose, everything wrapped up in this. And, um, and in the middle of all that, both of my husband's parents passed away within two years of each other. And they were like our biggest support system. We were, we were very close to them. He was very close to his parents. So, and, and then after that, you know, our kids were finishing up college. They met their spouses. We were planning their weddings. I mean, it was just like one thing after another where our life was dramatically changing and my head was spinning, <laughs> you know, it was survival mode. And so I feel like that's when God just began this process of us, me, I'll talk, I'll say me, but my husband as well, just like coming to the end of every single resource that we had been clinging to, um, that we found our joy in and helping us to shift our focus. Um, and so I'm going to read the definition right from the journal. <laughs> this is what God began to teach me um, during those years, about starting about 11 years ago. It says, biblical joy is not something that comes and goes and it is not dictated by our circumstances. Biblical joy is something that exists even when we're suffering or going through a heavy trial because it is based on the knowledge that God is present, walking with us in our trials, producing good fruit in us as we go through the trial and we'll use it as a platform so that others can see him in us. I love that, Gina. I really do think, you know, years ago when I was writing Gospel-Centered Mom, I came to this revelation as I studied the life of Hosea. I just could not get over how God would intentionally ask a prophet to marry a prostitute. Like I just, I just felt like, like, you know how some things you just get stuck and you, you, it takes you a while to get past it. That was one of those things for me. And yet I knew because we have the benefit of time, right? We can, we can look back and we can see the whole story of what God was trying to do in their lives. I knew that God had done that to demonstrate to me and to anyone else reading the story of Hosea, 
what a, a picture of what his love is like how he comes after us and after us and after us and after us over and over and over again. And I, I could see that. I knew that, but I just, I hated the fact that God would ask someone to go through something like that, knowing that the pain that, that this man of God was going to have to go through as a result of it. And it occurred to me then much like what you just said, that oftentimes God allows us to go through very difficult things in our lives so that he can show the people that are around us and watching us that we really do believe that God is worth following, especially in the hard times. People are watching us. They're looking to see if, is this the time that she's going to turn away? Is this that is it bad enough now that she's finally going to say all this God stuff is foolishness? Mm-hmm. And it's in those times when everything has been stripped away that our lives become much like the story of Hosea, where God is doing this thing in and through us for the benefit of other people who can see in and say, okay, that's what it looks like to follow God. That's the benefit mm-hmm. of following God. And it just reminded me of of what you just shared. You and I have been reading and talking a lot about this book, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. And I I feel like it's the same. We get this opportunity to look at her life and what she went through and her real raw emotions and how she struggled for joy and found her joy in the Lord, even in the most destitute of uh, and difficult of circumstances. And now we have the opportunity to look into that picture and see that the God that she said that she loved with abandon was worth following. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm so thankful that we're touching on this whole definition of what joy actually is at the beginning, because for the longest time, and I think this is probably what most of the world goes by joy is an outward thing that like you can see, but I feel like we've, seen over and over again that some of the most joyful looking people in our world are hurting the most and because it's not rooted in mm-hmm. in Christ and in their joy isn't you know founded in Christ and I had this conversation years ago at a conference with another writing friend we were talking about uh, I was just reminded of it yesterday so we were talking about when an extrovert like me is depressed that that looks normal to the outside world like looks like a normal person but to that person it doesn't feel right it feels lower than what they are and that's where we go and say joy is not on the outside you can't tell by looking at someone and and their their daily interactions with people if they're actually clinging to joy or if they're putting on a happy face. Because I remember when we were going through a big season of change and we had just had our third kid and everything that I just did not feel like that joy. You know, I didn't, or I didn't feel my bubbly self. I still had the joy of the Lord in there, but I did not feel my bubbly self, but no one would have looked at me and said something's wrong there because if you take what I normally am and knock it down a notch, like that looks like you're a normal everyday person. Whereas there could be someone who is an extreme introvert 
who feels the joy of the Lord all the time. And people think because of the way they act, the way they interact with people and talk, that they are depressed and they don't know the joy of the Lord. And so we are here to like myth bust (laughs) all of that today and say, you can't tell by looking at someone, but you can tell by where their faith is and what happens when things don't go the way they are. What is their reaction? Do they continue to trust the Lord and cling to him? They don't have to be out like celebrating in the street that they have a trial. <laughs> That's not joy of the Lord. It's, it's almost to me like peaceful. Does that make sense? Like the joy of the Lord is more of a peace for me in that I can rejoice that he has the victory already. And that brings me so much comfort and peace. It's not necessarily always shouting and worshiping for joy. And you're not always going to see the joy of the Lord externally. And you're definitely not going to see it the same from Brooke or, and me or Gina and me, or, yes. you know, it's just not going to look the same because it's an inward thing. And when we're talking about joy versus like happiness or, or exuberance or whatever, those are things you can see on the outside. And sometimes they can be fake too, but the joy thing, it can't be because it's an internal thing. Yeah, definitely. So so because we just talked about that definition, I want to know, Gina, then how has your life been different since you changed your definition and started seeking the joy giver instead of just feelings of joy and happiness? Well, as you were talking, I was, God brought to mind, you know, when the the college closed down and we still continue to live here. The only thing I could think of was I want Brian to find another job so we can move. That, that was, I, I remember even saying out loud, I cannot imagine living here another year. Just the thought of living here and not being the same place, you know? And I was, I just could not imagine being happy living here um, but here I am 11 years, no, yeah, eight years, nine years later, and God has not changed my location or my circumstances, but he's changed my heart because um, I'm content here and God has given us a new life here. I don't, I don't know how long that, that it will be that we are here, but there's a whole new life here that I just could not imagine happening. And so... I feel like how has life been different? God has changed my heart. You know, he's changed my focus. And the verse that comes to mind, um, I want to read it, is James, found in James 1, when it says, you've all heard this verse, you know it very well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its whole effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And the word testing in the Greek, this was from my study notes, from my Bible. It refers to a positive test intending to make one's faith genuine. I love that, that that this test is so that your faith will be made real, that you will be authentic. And that the result of this test is steadfastness, which is um, a life of faithful endurance um, amid troubles and afflictions. It's perseverance. Um, that's good. That's a good word for us to persevere, learn to persevere and show, like you said, Brooke, that God is worth it. 
um, is we have to go through hard times. So I think the reality of what God is accomplishing in and through the difficult times is becoming more of a reality to me. Um, and that perspective, when I'm focusing on it in that way, gives me joy. And I feel like joy and hope really go hand in hand, though. Too. Oh, they do. I think peace, too. I really think yeah. peace, joy, yeah. and hope are like a, a trinity that we get. We, we mentioned that joy was the birthright of the believer, but so is hope and so is peace. They're all ours because of Jesus. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So if we all started this practice of seeking the joy giver instead of feelings and circumstances that provide fleeting joy in our lives, what impact could we expect this to have on our families? So you've talked about what it did in your heart, but what impact, you know, if, if uh, I use math equations all the time, but you know, if one part of the A plus B equals C equation changes, then we don't get C anymore, right? Something's different. If A or B changes, then we have a different outcome. Uh, what are some different outcomes of a joy-filled life that we could expect to see in our homes? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, as moms, we, most of the time we set the tone for our homes. And so our responses or reactions really do set the tone. I remember, well, even now, even though they don't live here anymore, my kids growing up, their whole growing up, they could say, they would look at me and they go, are you okay, mom? You're like stressed. You know, they could yes. tell the look on my face or if I would speak in a tone, they could tell something was bothering me. So I feel like that's probably the most important thing is just this tone that we set because it sets them up to be able to learn what biblical joy is as well as they watch you go through hard times. Yeah, that's so good. I know when our kids were, were little, I think I've shared this story before, but you guys know that our kids are musical. They both play the, the fiddle. And my older son in particular, when he would realize, again, he was able to, as a very young kid, he started taking fiddle lessons when he was four. And one of the first songs that he learned was Amazing Grace. And that's one of my favorite hymns. It's one of my dad's favorite hymns. Um, it's one that they've our kids have performed over and over and over again through the years. And he was able to discern at a very early age that I was upset and stressed about something, whether it was their behavior or whether it was something else going on in our home. And he would sneak up behind me, sneak up behind me, you know, with his little fiddle in, in his, in his arms and just start like spontaneously playing amazing grace for me because he knew that it would provide comfort for me. And, and, and I loved how, a, he could recognize that there was something wrong, but also B, he kind of knew what to do about it. I need to remind him as a 15 year old, he needs to do that more. <laughs> I still need that sometimes, but you're right. It does. We do set the tone in our homes, especially if we are the ones that are here most of the time with our kids. Um, we do set the tone and, and having that joy of the Lord in our hearts, really, I mean, our, um, you know, there's a, there's a biblical reference that, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, our pastor says a lot, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. <laughs> That's true as well. It's the same concept. What's in there is what's going to come out in the hard times. I also feel like it's important for our families to see that we are struggling, but we're choosing Jesus. You know, does that make sense? Like we're, what we're talking about is setting a tone 
of joy of the Lord, not a home that's always bubbly. Everyone's happy all the time. We're not going through anything. It's a, even when, and it will happen, even when we are struggling, when things are hard, when we haven't seen family for a while, when someone's sick, we are choosing Jesus. And we are choosing to focus on that. And our kids need to know the struggle in order to see the trust in the Lord as well. So we're setting a tone of trust and, and joy in the Lord, but we also have to do it honestly so that they know mom doesn't always just trust Jesus because nothing ever happens and she's never upset about anything because that's a lie, you know? Um, but that, you know what? This Christmas is really hard for me because I don't get to see my family like we did, but I am so thankful that we can take that to Jesus and that he can show us what he wants to, to do instead. Or, um, you know, we, we talk all the time about what is God already doing and how can we join him in that? And, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, I'm having a hard time with the fact that lots of the normal Christmas things that we do are canceled, but, you know, let's ask Jesus together what things are happening that we can be a part of that he is leading us to instead. And so you have to be honest with the struggle in order to appropriately share the joy of the Lord with your kids or else it's going to look like just I'm happy because things are good type of thing. And, and that's not, that's not the kind of faith we want our children to have. We want, don't want our children to have a faith that is the idea that because you trust Jesus, everything's happy all the time <laughs> because they will stumble and fall. If that's the foundation they're giving the minute something goes wrong, we want them to see, guess what? Mom is hurting from whatever this mom and dad are, are struggling with this. This has been hard, but they're choosing the joy of the Lord because he is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy and all of those things. Mm. All right. So as we're going towards that, we don't know what 2021 20, will bring. We just don't. None of us do. I wish, I wish I knew. I like to have, I like to know what's in the future. I really struggle with the unknown. So this year has been Ooh, testing ground for sure. Gina, what can we do to hang on to this joy that we're talking about, regardless of what 2021 brings? What can we be doing, even going into it, like as we're going now, to make sure that we're hanging on to joy? That is such a good question. And honestly, the timing of that question is so significant because yesterday I went on a walk and I was listening to a, a, a message and some things that the speaker shared was just so enlightening to me and perfect timing. So I'm just going to share some of it because I'm learning right along with everybody, you know, how to live this out. But I think that as believers, um, we really need to remember that good times are not the norm. You know, we kind of that's rich expect that, you know, that the hard stuff is the exception but the Bible says in John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think that is so significant in, especially in these days. And then in the beginning of that verse, it says, I have told you these things. 
And so what did he tell them? <laughs> what did he tell the disciples? And if you read back into John 15, one of the biggest, most significant things he said is when he encouraged them to abide. Um, you know, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. Apart from you, me, you can do nothing. And so in order for us to have peace, joy, hope, we must learn to abide. And I read something just this morning about abiding. And if you don't mind, it's really short. That was to me just really was such a good picture of it. It said, before the fall, God gave man the Garden of Eden as his quiet resting place. Sadly, how quickly sin spoiled the fair abode of innocence. In the day when the flood swept away a guilty race, the chosen family was quietly secured in the resting place of the ark, which floated them from the old condemned world into the new earth of the rainbow and the covenant, symbolizing Jesus, the ark of our salvation. Israel rested safely beneath the blood-sprinkled dwellings of Egypt when the destroyed angels smote the firstborn, and in the wilderness the shadow of the pillar of cloud and the flowing rock gave the weary pilgrim sweet repose. Today we rest in the promises of our faithful God, knowing that his words are full of truth and power. We rest in the doctrines of his word, which are consolation itself. We rest in the covenant of his grace, which is a haven of delight. The person of Jesus is the quiet resting place of his people. And when we draw near to him in the breaking of the bread, the hearing of the word, the searching of the scriptures, prayer or praise, we find that any form of approach to him brings peace to our spirit. Isn't that amazing? It's so good. And so when I think of abiding, the thing that came to mind is that in order for us to abide in him, we've got to turn to him, which means we've got to turn away from what we're clinging to. And it's, it's kind of like a weaning, you know, like trials wean us from the things we cling to. And so think about just since even COVID has been, you know, existing, what has God weaned us from during this time? He's, we can't go to restaurants, you know, movie theaters, entertainment in big, you know, big group settings, shopping, sporting events, like all of these things, not necessarily in and of themselves bad. But he's, for a believer, I feel like he's weaning me away from these things that I might, if I'm feeling upset or whatever, I would say, hey, let's go, let's go see a movie, you know, and like take a break from reality for a while. Well, I just feel like God has just kind of really limited so much now that he wants to wean us from the things that we look to for joy and find our joy in him. Yeah. We always like to get really practical, you know, and I just have to say that if I am not spending time in the word in the morning, I know it doesn't work for everybody. I'm just saying for me, after lots of trial and error and different seasons of life right now, my joy is strengthened when I spend time with Jesus in the morning, because I look at everything through that filter the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I can tell a difference. It's more worldly. It's more turbulent. It's just, it's different. And the other thing for our family is music, is worship. And the difference between listening to a couple of worship songs before, you know, in the middle of the day and having the TV on, which is not a bad thing. I have the TV on plenty, but especially when I'm like, 
feeling that pull to use other things to bring me joy or have feelings of joy, a few worship songs will bolster that joy that I know he already has in me more than almost anything else because the right worship songs are all about him and not about me. And that is, you know, that focus, refocusing myself. And so if I'm getting really practical in 2021, I am carrying that morning time in the word and worship with me no matter what happens, because that always points me back to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's really significant. I think what you just said, and you know that I love that Aaron is that the very best thing we can do in seasons like this is not necessarily to try and look at ourselves but to look at him. Like I've, I've said so many times, I don't need to remember who I am. I know all too well who I am. I'm a mess. I fail regularly. I'm a sinner. You know, I know all these things. Nobody has to tell me that. I know that before the Lord, I know that. But what I need to be reminded of is the great I am. I need to be reminded of who he is, not who I am. And so I think that's a fantastic practical takeaway for today's episode is to say in 2021 or, you know, as we go through Christmas and then in 2021, you know, it's, it's oftentimes easier to keep our eyes on Christ as Christians in the midst of Christmas. I know that there's still a lot usually traditionally that can make it difficult to find Christ in Christmas. But for me, I find it to be the time when I'm maybe most intentional on keeping my eyes on Christ, because that's something I want to teach my children to do as a, as an intentional mom. I, I try and make Christmas all, all about Christ. But as we move beyond it and we go looking into 2021, I think one of the most important things we can do to put all of this into practice that we've just shared today is choose to look at the great I am instead of looking at what we are because we're going to fail every time. I love that. That was, a, that was a, just a great, great point. Let's get even more practical. Gina, you know that we love to wrap up shows with our guests sharing a verse that they're currently praying on the subject of our show. So tell us all what we can be praying. What is one verse that's dear to you that we can be praying for ourselves and for our children to help us find joy in a COVID Christmas and beyond? All right. Well, I hope it's okay because it's three verses, but, um, (laughs) um, overachiever. <laughs> well, it's Psalm 131 and it's, that's three verses. And then I'll, and I'll read the verses and just quickly break them down. It says, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And the what... I think it's really important to see in these verses, first of all, is that David chose to cooperate with God's ability to bring peace and joy. He had to make a choice. Um, He had to do his part. So he chose to quiet and calm his soul and focus on God. And that is what we're called to do as well, to wean our souls from ourselves and from things and to abide in him. But that's a choice that we have to make. And then another thing about the verse, this is actually, I believe from my study Bible as well. It says, 
this person has calmed and quieted his soul like a weaned child with his mother, just as a weaned child is content simply having his mother's presence, so the faithful worshiper is content with God's presence, even when there are many things he would like God to explain. I love that that picture of a weaned child who is not, you know, when you had newborns and every time you pick up your newborn, he's like wanting to nurse and like it's all he wanted to do. And like you give the child to the husband and he'd want to nurse off your husband or your friend, you know, like that's all he would want to do. He'd be turning his head, you know, <laughs> like, like we have to grow up and choose to be content to sit with God and not just always want from him you know, or experience the blessings and his provisions and just be looking for more, but just be content to be in his presence. And then at the end, it says, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. And for now, especially for for now, put my hope in the Lord, not in a vaccine, not in an election, not in how my kids turn out, not in my job or my circumstances. Often our joy revolves around ourselves or what makes us happy or gives us purpose. But just looking to God, choosing to cooperate with his ability to bring us peace, but we have got to learn to abide and choose to calm and quiet ourselves uh, before him. That's beautiful. I love that. I've been reading Paul Davis' Advent devotion every morning, and today's, I've done this several years, so, but every year it's something hits me a little different. Today, he described us as glory thieves. Sinners are glory thieves. We are trying to bring glory to ourselves rather than give it to God. And that just hit me when you were talking, like, that's exactly it. Like, and he does not, he reacted to that by giving us his son. And with, he didn't react with jealous anger. He reacted with redeeming love in sending his son for us and he deserves all the glory and we have to stop taking it for ourselves. So that's, that's a beautiful verse. I put that in the notes on this. So if you're looking for that, you can copy it from the note or from the comment section on this. We're just so thankful to have had you here today, Gina. Thank you for sharing your story and being really honest with it. There are a lot of people can relate to things like loss of job and changing seasons and all of that. There are just a lot of things that can threaten to steal our joy, including 2020, (laughs) honestly. And we're just really thankful to have your perspective and your wisdom in sharing this. If people are wanting to connect with you online, where can they find you? At Million Praying Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have our, you know, our prayer group, the Million, what is it? The Million Praying Moms Prayer Community Mm -hmm. Prayer Group. Um, I also have a website, a blog www.dinaelsmith.com. Awesome. Well, Gina, we're so glad that you were able to join us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You can connect with other praying moms by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or in the Million Praying Moms community at millionprayingmoms.com, where you'll find links and show notes for each podcast episode. And remember, with each new episode, we offer five free scripture-based prayers based on that show's topic. Simply visit www.millionprayingmoms.com and sign up to get yours sent to your inbox right away. Till next time.
There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.